Hey, this is Pastor Jeremy from Awakened Church here in Sebring, Florida. I hope you enjoy this week's message. Nehemiah, so this number 52, this number 52 uh, became something as we were going through the week. Uh, those of you who are prayer and fasting, praying and fasting, I just want to encourage you to, uh, to lean into whatever revelation God's giving you. Right? You, may, you may notice something that you didn't previously notice before. Something may stick out to you that didn't previously stick out to you. So here's, here's, how, here, here's how this kind of went down for my family and I on a Friday night, I think. So we're, we're, we just gathered as a family in the living room to watch, a, to watch a movie. And I turned on Pure Flix. And not that we always watch Pure Flix. We're not that holy, right? But, but we turned on Pure Flix this time. And, uh, and we, were, we turned on this, this new VeggieTales. They actually have a new VeggieTales. I forget what it's called. Yes, I know. <laughs> Jasmine was like, we're watching VeggieTales. And she, like, she beat her brothers, and, brothers up just so we could watch it. And... Um, so we were watching VeggieTales, and it happened to be about the feeding of the 5,000. And it really caught our attention, but it was more like it wasn't even on purpose that we were like, oh, let's lean into this VeggieTales, right? It was more like, oh, this is kind of cool. And it talked about generosity and this king who was hoarding all of these melons and so many melons, in fact, that the, that the castle ended up crumbling because he was hoarding so many melons. And so the lesson was on generosity. Everybody say generosity. Okay. So... It's interesting, though, when they brought in the, um, the, the scripture for Jesus feeding the 5,000, that what stuck out to me was, um, was the number five and the number two, which makes up the number 52. So how many loaves did the boy have that he gave to the disciples who gave it to Jesus? How many loaves? How many fish? Two. It's just just stuck out to me. I was like, huh, well, that's interesting. And then we watched another movie. It was called 5,000 Blankets. And it's a, new, it's a new movie. I encourage you to watch the movie 5,000 Blankets. It's really inspirational. But again, it's about generosity. And I was like, after the movie, I looked at the family. I was like, do you realize what we just did? And we didn't even know it. <laughs> we watched a movie about Jesus feeding 5,000. And then we watched a movie on 5,000 Blankets. So, so Melvina and I are looking at each other like 5,000, 5,000, 5,000, 5,000. And then she's like, I remember when we first said, when we first said we were going to plant the church, like we didn't have the money to do it, right? And I think that was the, the second gift we got was for 5,000. And then we got another gift for 5,000, 5,000 and 5,000. Before we even had any mission statement, before we had any, anybody here that we were planting with, before anything, these, we told some friends that we were planting and they gave us 5,000 and then 5,000 more just to be able to make it here, just to be able to do what we needed to do once we got boots on the ground. So let me just tell you that God is a rich provider, amen? Okay, so 5,000 and 5,000. And then I started thinking about, well, what in the world is up with this five and this two? Because it just seems like 52, Nehemiah, 52 days he rebuilt the wall. And then Jesus has five, he, he used five loaves and two fish. I don't know, I don't wanna go crazy with numerology or anything. I don't usually even look into numbers, but I was like, what is it with this? And so when I looked, I saw that five is the number of grace. Everybody say grace. And two is the number of unity. 
All right? Five is the number of grace, and two is the number of unity. Everybody say unity. All right. So what happens is this, is that whenever by God's grace, (laughs) grace means God bending to you. This is God bending to you. This is grace. This is what the literal meaning of grace is, is that God bends towards you. All right? So when God bends towards you, (laughs) and then we receive what he's bending towards us to give to us, then there becomes a union, right? So in other words, by grace, you are saved through faith. It's not the gift of, or it's not the works, you, it's not your own works that does it, right? By grace, you have been saved through faith. What happens is this, is that whenever we accept God's bending towards us and gives us the gift of salvation, or whenever we accept God bending toward us by his grace, receiving whatever he has for us, then we've entered into labor with him. We've become co-laborers with him. Yep. We've become co-laborers with him. So by his grace, he brings a union between us and him, the two, becoming one, which is a picture of what? Christ and the church, which only happens by his grace, then we enter into this co-laboring with him that, by, that, that, that cannot happen any other way, right? We can't, we can't do what God's called us to do without his grace bending towards us. Without him bending toward us, we cannot do what God has called us to do. We, Nehemiah could not build the wall unless God bent toward him with his grace. Anybody think that's true? Wave at me. So some of you are praying for things, and I just want you to know that it's not going to happen except by God's grace, him bending towards you, and then you joining with him to do what he's calling you to do. It's, he's not just going to do it for you. He's not going to just do it for you. You're going to have, see, we prayed. Those people gave us $5,000, but you know what we had to do? We actually had to move and come down here. <laughs> and then we've had to do what he's called us to do every step of the way. And so what I'm, what I'm just trying to tell you is that his grace is here to help us cooperate with him and what he wants to bring into this earth and into your life and into your family. This is what it, this means. This five and this two, grace and unity. Does that make sense to anyone? A few of you, we'll go on the two, that's fine. All right. So the word for this year is what? It's mobilize. Yeah, it's mobilize. It's mobilize. We are preparing and organizing for active service. We're marshalling, we're deploying, we're mustering, we're rallying, we're calling to arms, we're calling up, we're summoning, we're assembling, we're making ready, we're preparing. Anybody with me? All right, so we are organizing and encouraging. I want to encourage you today, man. Continue on this prayer and fast. We are organizing and encouraging to act in a concerted way in order to bring about a particular objective. We're bringing resources into use in order to achieve a particular goal and we're making something movable or capable of movement, which is us partnering with God or co-laboring with him to bring his rule and his reign into your life and into your job and into your family 
This is the word mobilize, and this is what we are going to be working towards, man, this whole year. You ready? So, so we talked last week about this was, a, this was a stake driving moment. We are driving the stake that, 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 that many of us, like this was, this was the moment whenever we decided to pray and fast to start off this year, this was like driving a stake because the word wall, our English word wall comes from the Latin, a Latin word which literally means to drive the stake. It's the first stake in the ground before anything is built. There has to be a stake in the ground. And so when we're talking about building, and especially in regards to Nehemiah and him rebuilding the wall, there had to be the stake in the ground. And so some of us are trusting God for big things, great things. We have big prayer requests, and big prayer requests honor God. And you should have big prayer requests, but you got to have a stake in the ground before you start trying to rebuild anything. And so prayer and fasting is like this stake in the ground. We're driving the stake with our prayer and our fasting and our mourning and our repenting. Now I realize this. I realize that for some of us, this is why we're taking a whole month on drive the stake because it's not just a one-time thing. Some of, for some of us it is. Like we drive it and we're like, oh, that thing is down, bro. For others of us, it's like, man, this thing is hard. This ground is really hard. I can't. I need to keep, keep hammering. I was remembering my friend, Tony Hale, that wore, this, that wore this shirt, man. He said, that said, keep hammering. For some of us today, we need to keep hammering that stake, no matter how hard it is. You're, you're struggling through the prayer and fasting, keep hammering. You're struggling through issues this week, keep hammering the stake. Keep hammering. Keep driving that thing. So let's read, let's read some scripture. You ready? All right, let's go. Our tech, our tech team's doing a great job today. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, aren't you glad that's not your name? Hakaliah. <laughs> why didn't we name one of our kids Hakaliah? I don't know why. <laughs> I would have just been fun. Hakaliah. <laughs> you yell at him, Hakaliah. All right, I got to stop. All right, so now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Let's go on. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued. Good, before the God of heaven. <laughs> and I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, everybody say, remember? The word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if 
you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I'll gather them and bring them to the place that I've chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. This is our first part. We're going to read some more in just a minute, but here's what I want you to know. You can fast and pray. Just look at the person next to you and say, you can do it. You can fast and pray. You can do it. You can do it. Here's what stuck out to me at the end of that whole chapter, chapter one. Nehemiah said, now I was cupbearer to the king. Now you are doing a lot of things. Most of you in this room are now something besides a pastor. Most of you. Now some of you in this room are pastors and you have another occupation. Now, some of you are working in, the, in, in whatever workplace you're in. Now, some of you are working somewhere in the civil, uh, civil area, in the county or in the city. Now, whatever it is, wherever you are, some of you are retired. Now, whatever you're doing, now you can fast and pray. It doesn't matter where you are, because I think this is kind of a fallacy. Or we give ourselves an excuse because you're like, yeah, the pastor, that's probably all he does is sit around and fast and pray. Of course, he can do it. <laughs> Of course, this is like just for pastors. Now you can fast and pray. Nehemiah was a cupbearer, which means he had a civic office to the king, the king of Persia. He had a civic office and he, he had a big responsibility. He was a man of influence and he regularly came before the king. It was his, it was his job to make sure the king was happy. <laughs> he had a big, big job. But it says he fasted and he prayed. Now check this out. Check this out. Um, uh, there are 101 ways to fast, says Bob Rogers, this, or reasons to fast. If you're still thinking about it, you can join in. You can join in this fast and pr- fasting and praying, even if you didn't start last week, you can still join in. And like the more people, the better, and we're gonna keep pushing and keep going. But check it out. Here's, a, here's three reasons, at least, that you should fast, according to Bob Rogers. You set the course for the rest of your year. Blessings will come to you and your family. And Matthew 6.33, principles will be, will be released for you. All these things will be added to you from Matthew 6.33. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you're setting the course for the rest of your year. Blessings will come upon your family. And then all these things, instead of worrying about all these things that we usually worry about, if we fast and pray, then all these things will be added to you so you do not need to worry. This is just, thank you. It's like, this is why we're doing what we're doing, right? This is part, but you can do it. You can do this. It's not just for a pastor, and it's very healthy for you. I was talking to someone this week, and she was like, yeah, I check with my doctor just to make sure. And they're like, yes, fasting and prayer, fasting has no harmful effects to your health. Now check with your doctor, right? I don't want you to go crazy and be unhealthy, but you can fast and pray. And you might even discover that you're not even as hungry as what you thought you'd be. And then there'll be times where you are really hungry. Like, man, I just want some chocolate, bro. Yeah. All right, let's go to the next one. Here's the thing, too. I want you to know this. is that You can fast and pray differently. You can fast and pray differently. Whenever we were reading the scripture in, in, uh, in Nehemiah 1, I pointed out the word remember. Everybody say remember. So Nehemiah says this in his prayer. He says, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses 
God, Nehemiah was asking God to remember his word. And of course, God hadn't forgotten. But Nehemiah was reminding him, God, you remember that you said you would scatter us to the furthest ends of the earth, but also you would bring us back. Now give me favor in the sight of this man. He's talking about the king, right? So here's a couple things we have to remember is that whenever Jesus taught his disciples to pray, they came and they asked him, they said, Lord, can you teach us to pray? But it wasn't that they were unfamiliar with praying, right? They were Jews and they had normal prayers that they recited, right? Here's what Jews were very, very familiar with, the pillar of fire. They were very familiar with Mount Sinai experiences. They were very familiar with the crossing of the Red Sea. They were very familiar with the great and the awesome God and these prayers that address the creator and the sustainer of all things. But Jesus prayed differently. How did he pray differently? He said, our father. He prayed differently. So I'm not calling you to say a recited prayer. I'm not calling you just to pray. But here's the thing. I'm calling us to start praying differently. And here's what I mean. We have to remember who God is. Whenever Jesus said, our father in heaven, he was acknowledging that he was his father. Like there was an intimate relationship with the father. You get it? Get it? There's a big difference between just saying these prayers that we always say and then all then but 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 realizing then who we're praying to. My father. Whenever the disciples heard Jesus saying that, they must have been like, "What? This is, sounds so much differently." The Catholics, they actually have a better word for this Lord's prayer which that comes from than us. They actually just call it our father because that's what it's about. It's about praying to the Father, our Father. So we remember who God is, and that brings us into this intimate relationship with him. So if we remember who God is, then we have to remember who we are. And if we call him Father, then that means we are son or we're daughter. Got it? So if we remember who God is, then that means we remember who we are, we're son and we're daughter. Right? We remember who we are, we're son and we're daughter, and then we remember who we are to each other, which means we're brother and we're sister. So we're praying differently. I'm calling you to fast, but I'm also calling you to pray. And as we pray, we're praying differently. We're praying intimately to a father in heaven, to our father in heaven. That's why I encourage us to corporately pray. He's our father, not just mine, but he's our father. You can come to our father. Uh, Tyler Station, who wrote the book, Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools, he says his, um, he's taught his son something at a very early age. And it's, and it's this, that, that he says, son, remember, daddy loves you no matter what. Daddy loves you no matter what. And so he said, now his son will be like, he'll be doing like just anything. And he'll be like, daddy, you love me no matter what. <laughs> when he punishes him, Daddy, I know you love me no matter what. When he's going out the door to school, Daddy, I know you love me no matter what. And so that's also the basis that Nehemiah started praying and fasting. It was this basis of the knowledge, the knowledge of the love of God, right? Knowing that he is love and that he loves us enables us then to pray to him as our father. And then we realize we're sons and we're daughters. And then we realize we're part of this big family as brothers and sisters, right? All right, let's move on. Let's move on. This is chapter two, and this happens four months after. Four months after chapter one, this happens. It says, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King 
oh, whatever. When wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. This is Nehemiah talking. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight that you send me to Judah, the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked for the good hand of the Lord was upon I'm gonna read that last line. For the good hand of my God was upon me. All right, so here's the deal. We have to realize this, is that fasting sets us up for the future. It's a setup. Man, fasting is a setup for the future. Now, during these 21 days, we may see something happen in these 21 days, and most of the time we do and we will, but it sets us up for the future, right? A lot of us have New Year's resolutions that we've already broken. Somebody else, not you guys in this room, probably somebody else out there. That's what I'm talking about. Somebody else, all right, okay? So, but check this out. Fasting sets us up for the future. Fasting and praying now sets us up for the rest of the year, the future. That's what Nehemiah in chapter one, he fasted and he prayed. And then four months later, he's appearing before the king. He's appearing before the king four months later. You may be fasting and praying now, for an opportunity that's coming months and months and months later. You may be fasting and praying and then something you pray for doesn't happen until November or December. In fact, one book I was reading said usually around Thanksgiving, what they were praying for and fasting for in January has come. So fasting sets us up for the future. And so we can't be just so immediately, immediate oriented or immediately focused, but fasting and praying right now will set you up for the future, for the rest of the year, months from now, for who you may stand before, for situations that you may face. Fasting sets you up for your future. Does that make sense to anybody? All right, let's go. Fasting and prayer, it positions us with favor before the king. Fasting and prayer positions us with favor before the king. Nehemiah had access to the king all the time, but he had a big request this time. So he was a cupbearer and he regularly came before the king, right? Every day he was before the king. Every day he was before the king. Every day he was before the king. But fasting and prayer set him up for specific favor for this big request that he had. So, so here's what fasting does. It's going to set you up with, for favor in your job that you currently now occupy. It's going to set you up for, with favor for people that you now know. Does that make sense to anybody? Can we see that from the example of Nehemiah? 
He was before the king daily, but his fasting set him up in a specific place of favor before this king. How many of you need some favor with, with some different situations, right? You need some favor, some, a blessing, a special blessing of God in certain situations. Well, here's what fasting and prayer does. It positions you with favor in, in those situations. But check it out. I want you to know this. It also positions us with favor before the king of kings. Okay, yeah. It positions us with favor before the king of kings. We're not working for it, Right? We're not working for a place of favor. We stand in a place of blessing. We now are seated in heavenly places with him. But what it does is whenever we fast and pray, God takes notice and he's like, yes, I will bless you. I hear you and I will answer you. Because I see your hunger as we were talking about. God sees our hunger, church. You realize this? He sees how we're hungering and we're thirsting. He sees how you're hungering and thirsting for whatever you're praying for. And God takes notice. He says, check this out. He will reward you openly. This is favor. He will reward you openly. When people around you are like, how did this guy get this or be able to get this position or do this? How did their family come back? What is, what is happening? It's favor. <laughs> Because he's seen you pray and fast in private, and so he is going to reward you openly. That's just what your Bible says. And so this favor that Nehemiah had, it was an open favor. And so Nehemiah is like, after he seems like he, gets the, he has the king's attention, remember, that's what he prayed for back in chapter 1. Thank you, Lord. He prayed, Lord, or he prayed that, 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 that the Lord's ear would be attentive to his cry and that he would grant him success in, with the king. And so now, whenever he's before the king and he realizes he has the king's attention, he says, well, how about all these provisions I need now? <laughs> right? Well, this is what happened. He's like, now I, now I know I got the king's attention. Now, like, I need all this stuff because all I had was this brokenness and this desire to rebuild. I don't have the wood. I, if I try to travel on my own, these enemy armies are going to overtake me. I need your favor there. I need your provisions here and everything. And guess what? The good hand of the Lord was upon Nehemiah. Oh, man. The good hand of the Lord was upon him. And he provided everything he needed. Omar, he provided everything he needed. All the provision that he needed. He provided. But see, Nehemiah had set himself up in a place of fasting and prayer. Does this make sense, anybody? Wave at me. Yeah, all right. I'm not trying to give you an ABC, one, two, three type of formula. I'm just trying to point out what the word of God is saying to us and teaches us, right? I have no other agenda but this is how God is leading us. And I want to encourage you in your fast, man. Remember, that's part of, of mobilization. I want to, I'm here to encourage you today to keep going because the favor of God is resting on you. Next, next slide. Fasting and praying allows us to rebuild the ruins. This was, this was Nehemiah's message to the king when he said, why is, my, why is your face so sad? And he's like, how could not my face be sad? The place of my father's graves lies in ruins. I have a feeling that some of us have some ruined places that need rebuilt. Yeah. Some of us have some, some things going on that you would like to see built up. Okay, let me put it this way. We're going to hit on this in just a minute. Some of us have some brokenness, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your family, 
maybe in your job, maybe it's just in your spirit that you need some, that you need built back up. So here's what fasting and prayer allowed Nehemiah to do. It allowed him, it allowed him to go and rebuild the ruins. How many of you know it's hard whenever, and we're gonna read about this later, how many of you know it's hard whenever all you see is rubble and you're trying to build a wall? And there's so much wall, but are you, all you see is the brokenness. All you see are the, is the rubble. It's so hard to start building when all you see is the brokenness, right? But fasting and prayer, it sets you up to be able to rebuild the ruins. You remember that song? He turns graves into gardens. Somebody should have went a bum, 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 right? But he does, he turns graves into gardens. This is what he said. The place of Nehemiah's father's graves became a garden for Nehemiah to rebuild this wall. So what is, what is there that you've just given up on in your life, right? What is there that you've just lost hope in? It's like it's dead, it's gone. There's no point of restoration. There's no, there's no, there's no uh, hope of rebuilding this. Nehemiah says to us, you can rebuild in that very grave. You can rebuild. From the place of death comes life. Isn't this the Christian message, guys? The message of the gospel, from death comes life. From the death of Christ comes our resurrection life. Isn't this the message of the gospel? So now what he's wanting us to do, check it out, Jazz, if you could come and hit those keys. What he's wanting us to do is to co-labor with him by his grace because this is the message of the gospel. From death comes life. From the ruined comes the rebuilt. Oh man, from the ruined comes the rebuild. From the broken comes the build, right? From the broken comes the build. This is what we've been called to do. We have entered into a broken world and from the brokenness comes the rebuild. If you came here today expecting to just see a built people, a built up place, you've come to the wrong place. We are in the process of a rebuild in our lives and in the, in the life of this community, we are rebuilding. <laughs> Because check it out, there's no other reason why we would come to plant a church here. I'm just telling you. No other reason. Of course, we didn't know many of you lovely people then. But when we came down here and we just, we looked around, Melvina's like, man, it just looks so dead. And I'm like, ah, everything is closed. Like, what is going on? Because check it out, from the broken comes the build. From the grave comes the garden. Could you hit that? You know those chords? Graves in the gardens, just, yeah. yeah. So this is, this is what I'm, you're invited into today. If you could go ahead and stand with me. I'm inviting you. <laughs> oh man, I'm inviting you back to the garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm inviting you to the garden. Right where you are, in, perhaps in your grave, I'm inviting you to your garden, to a garden. I'm inviting you to come out of death and come into life through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that we receive death for our sins. 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so, in fact, in the very place of death that we've all resided in, or you may be in there today, from that very place of death, Jesus is standing offering you life. From the ruined, he's offering you a rebuild, a completely new life. And so now what ha- that has to do is like, we were at a conference a couple weeks ago and, and, and what, what somebody described it as is like, so salvation gets you in the door, but salvation is only getting you in the door. There's so many rooms now in our life that need rebuilt. There's so many areas now that we have to invite God into to do a rebuild because as they said, there's some critters still stuck in the attic. Or there's some boxes that the previous owner left in the basement. So there's some cleaning out to do. There's some rebuilding to do. But guys, this is the message of the gospel that he turns graves into gardens. <laughs> Man. So check it out. We have three values here. It's prayer is the plan. We build people and let's have fun. Those are our three values. Prayer is the plan. We build people and let's have fun. How are you going to do it, Jeremy? How are you going to plant this church? I don't know, but I'm going to pray. How are you going to do 2023? I don't know, but we're going to pray. What's your five-year plan? I have no idea, but we're going to pray. What are you going to do if the theater closes? I don't know, but we're going to pray. What are you going to do if all hell breaks loose in your house? I'm going to pray, man. I'm going to pray. And we build people. Listen, go to that next slide. We realize this when we're building people. There's an ancient Japanese art called kintsugi. And kintsugi is the the process of taking broken pieces of pottery and putting them back together with some sort of lacquer with gold flakes in it. So when we say we build people, what we're meaning is that we are co-laboring with he, he who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Some of us come in here and we're, our hearts are just so shattered, right? Like this broken heart that's before you, this piece of pottery. But what I want to let you know is that they put this piece, these pieces of pottery back together so that you can see how be- more beautiful they look when they're put together and how much more valuable they are when they're put back together because of the gold with which they're put back together. And isn't this what Jesus wants to do? He wants to bind up your heart so that it's, it's even better than ever before, man so that it's better than it's ever been, so that it's more healed than it's ever been, so that you are less offended than you've ever been, so that you forgive like you've been forgiven, so that I forgive like I've been forgiven. Like he's here to mend our broken hearts and put us back together. And he says, I am giving you value. I value you today. I'm going to have Melvina no more just step out into the aisle there. We, I was reading in a book this week. I said, so this, this particular pastor, he and his church start off with fasting and prayer at the beginning of every year. And now fast forward to December. They're at a Christmas Eve service. They leave Christmas Eve service. There's a bad storm coming because they're up in Georgia. 
And he goes into the store to buy milk and bread because that's what you do whenever there's a bad storm up north, you buy milk and bread. I don't know why, but you just always think we have to have milk and bread. Eggs too. Yes, sir. Yes, Keith. You know all about that. And, and so he goes into the store and he's checking out with his milk, bread and, bread and eggs. And there's this guy standing behind him and he has a cart full of alcohol, like just stacked up with all kinds of liquor and beer. And he hears the voice of the Lord telling him, it's a pastor. He, he hears the voice of the Lord tell him, just tell the guy behind you that he is worthy of my love. But he's like, I didn't do it. I just checked out my groceries and I walked out the door. I got in the car and I felt such conviction that I told my family, my girls and my wife who were in the car, I told them what I just had not done. And the wife says, I know where he's gone. I don't know if she had a word of knowledge. I'm not sure what happened, but she says, I know he went to the pharmacy. Let's go to the pharmacy. So they're like, okay. So then now they're trying to go after the, here's, here's how it's connecting. Now they're trying to go after this prodigal, right? <laughs> they lost him. Now they're trying to find him. She's like, I know where he is. And so they go to this pharmacy. They find this guy. He's looking over this, looking all over the store and he finds this guy. And again, he has another cart full of alcohol. Like he's getting ready to party. And the story goes is that while he was in the car with his family, his girl said, Daddy, I remember this guy. He was at Christmas Eve service just a few minutes ago. And so as, he, as the pastor found him in the pharmacy, he said, I just want you to know that God told me to tell you that you are worthy of his love. This is a guy with a cart full of liquor. See, I don't know what's in your cart today. I don't know what you've brought in. I don't know what you're, who you're praying for, what's in their cart. But all I know is that they are worthy of your love and you are worthy of his love. So right there in the pharmacy, the pastor prays with him and he starts crying. He starts crying and he's like, pastor, you don't understand. It's just so hard to stay sober. I've been trying, I've been trying. The pastor prays for him and he's like, and then a year later he comes back and he lets the pastor know that he has been freed from alcoholism from that one spot. Now check it out. This is why I tell you is because, because fasting and prayer set him up for that encounter right there. It set him up for that encounter right there in December. I don't know what you've come in with, but I need you to come for prayer. If you need some bro your broken heart mended, I need you to come to the aisle for prayer. Come on, it's okay. It's okay. It's five to 12, just in case you're wondering, and we're okay, we're fine. Come on, step out in the aisle. If you need prayer for any brokenness in your life, just step out in the prayer for, for prayer. Omar has it, is right here. Melvina's here. Yeah. Come on up here. Yeah. We could have other guys, um, other prayer leaders come. Yeah, come on, Keith. Omar, come over here maybe, Omar. Keith, come on over. Yeah. Thank you. Omar's going to careful those wires there, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, Keith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, guys. These are these are bold steps. Who else wants to be bold? I, uh, uh, Tom, Tom, Susan, come on. We have other pre people that need prayer for brokenness. I know in the room, there's some brokenness that needs healed, some mended, some brokenness that needs mended. Come on, guys. Jazz, just sing that. You turn. Yeah, yeah. Tom and Susan will be available to pray with you. Careful there, Susan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, guys. Who else in the room needs prayer for brokenness? Your heart just feels broken. It's kind of weighed down today. We have some prayer partners up here. We're ready to pray.
Let's go. You turn. You turn graves into gardens. You turn to armies. You turn to highways. You're the only one who can. You turn graves. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. One more time, you turn. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. All right, every head bowed. That's what I want to do. If you're in the room today and you do not know Christ as your Savior, but you feel like today is your day, you want to be saved and set free from your sins, just raise your hand high like this. Anybody in the room like this? Just let me see you because I want to pray with you. Anybody in the room? Second invitation would be this. Jeremy, I have brokenness that I need God to heal and only he can. Only he can. Raise your hand. Only he can. Raise your hand if that's you. Only he can. Yeah. Keep your hands up because this is time of ministry. Nobody's looking around. Only he can. Anybody else? Come on, guys. Anybody else have brokenness that only God can heal? Yeah. Jesus, thank you for your mending. <laughs> thank you that you are the great mender, the great builder, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that just as you are the only one who can, I pray that the only one who can will, in fact, begin this rebuild, even in this moment, God. Even in this moment with a bold confession right now. God, that we need you to rebuild. We need you to rebuild our health. We need you to rebuild relationships. We need you to rebuild, like God, like only you can. Only you can. <laughs> we have not come to play we have come to pray. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Minister, minister as only you can. You turn, you turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. Come on, every hand raised. Come on. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. This is how we're going to leave. This is how we're going to leave. Put your hand on your heart. Thank you, Lord. We're going to make a declaration. So you have to say what I say, okay? Lord, this is your heart. And I welcome you in. And I command everything that isn't of you to go. I forgive everyone who has wronged me. I forgive everyone 
who has trespassed against me. And I ask you to come and heal my heart. This is your heart. And I give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give him a shout of praise today, a hand clap. Awesome guys. Awesome guys. All right. Have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you. Get some water or something on your way out or some more coffee. It's still cold outside. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message. Please subscribe to our podcast and share it with a friend. And if you're ever in the Sebring, Florida area, make sure to come check us out at B&B Theaters every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.